Okay, tonight is Sunday, the 25th day of September 2005, and the Sunday night speaker's meeting of Narcotics Anonymous welcomes our second speaker, Billy. I'm Bill, I'm an addict, and uh, a little nervous, you know, a little bit, like the lady said. Uh, I've been here a long time and the same thing happens to me. I never really know what's going to come out. But I've been to this meeting a couple of times. I, I believe I spoke here once and then I came with, uh, the last time I was here I came with a guy that I sponsored and, uh, one of my favorite, I mean, a, just a, a great guy, you know, we were really close and, uh, Floyd, remember Floyd, and, uh, we came here and he spoke and, um, I don't know, a few years, a couple of years later, you know, ironically, the same day that I went in for a uh, liver transplant, he died right over here, man, of a heart attack, you know. And uh, it saddened me because it was really a big loss and, uh, you know, uh, but the good thing is he died clean, you know. He had 11 years clean when he died and... Uh, a great guy, man. Really a good guy, you know. I get a little emotional when I think about it, but uh, it's been a pretty good year for me, you know. I mean, I got a new liver, I got a new set of teeth, I got a new pair of glasses, you know. <laughs> I'm uh, fucking 66 years old, and I've been here nearly 30 years, man. I have no complaints, man. None, you know. And I put all addicts in the same category. I don't believe... Uh, one is any more helpless than the other, you know. Uh, I classify myself as an addict of the hopeless variety, you know. I used drugs when I didn't want to use them anymore. There was no way to stop. There was most of my life I wanted to be somewhere else, but there was no fucking way to get there, man. And, uh, you know, I wanted out, and I wanted out for a long time. But I didn't want out when drugs were working, man. You know, I started using drugs when I was 12 years old, and uh, I chose that lifestyle like you were attracted to the people that you were attracted to. I was attracted to an element, the drug culture of the 50s, and, uh, hey, I loved it. I took a lot of pride in it. I never felt bad. I uh, The only time I felt bad is when I got caught, you know. And uh, I got caught a lot, so institutions are, but, you know, part of my story, which I won't bore you with, because it's really kind of a boring story, you know. My whole story could be summed up in, hey, you know, I go to jail, I get out, I get loaded, I go to jail, I get out, I get loaded, I go to jail. Same deal, man. Round and around and around, you know. And, uh, and all of that stopped when I got here, you know. And uh, I didn't plan on ending up here. I... I actually, my plan was to end up the way that all of my friends had ended up. You know, they're either locked up for the remainder of their lives or they're dead. End of story. They don't have to worry about getting the next one. They're gone, you know. So, uh, and I was, at the end of my using, man, I was really kind of hoping that would, like, happen now. Painlessly, of course. I would like to slide out of this life because... uh uh, there was nothing going on. My life was real small, you know, about the size of a, a gas station fucking shitter. That was it. That's where I like to be, man, shooting dope, you know. And uh, so my life is a little bit bigger than that today, man, and has been for a long time. And I want to keep that going. And I know that I can. And the only reason that I know that I can for sure 
is that I've had three sponsors that died clean, and all of them had a, well over 30 years, you know. And my friend Floyd, and a lot of other friends of mine, man, you know, Pepe Acuna, Chuck Skinner, uh, Hank Magdaleno, those are the three that died. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, so I know that that can happen for me, and that's what I want in my life today. You know, I don't want to go back where I came from, man. There's nothing attractive about drug addiction to me, you know. And I know that I'm not exempt from getting loaded again, and, uh, you know, so i got to keep doing the things that I do around here that I learned early on, and I have to keep doing those things. Basically, I think I pretty much do the same things that I did when I first got here, you know. I've got a sponsor, I go to H&I, and I uh, go to meetings, and, you know, I haven't got any complaints. You know, I'm on borrowed time, man. You know, I'm on borrowed time. If it wasn't for this program or some divine intervention, I do have a God in my life, you know. Uh, you know, I would not be taken on air right now. I wouldn't be here, man. I'd be gone, you know. I'm quite sure that they uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to, you know, have a transplant and go through all of this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't know where you're from, man. You might be from the affluent society, man. I'm from Compton, you know, and which I took a lot of pride in because for a number of years it was the murder capital of the fucking world, man, and I like that. I like being from there, you know, and... uh you know, I remember one time I went in front of the adult authority for a parole hearing, man, and they told me that I was a uh, a moral invalid, you know. And uh, that was a compliment. I told fellas on the yard, hey, man, you know, what do you think about that? You know? In other words, man, I, uh, I was very defiant and rebellious and, uh, you know, and it's... Like I told you in the beginning, you know, there were really a lot of times I didn't want to go back to jail. I didn't want to do a lot of the things that I did. and uh, But there was no way out, man. Addiction was like a, a room that was void of any windows or any doors, man. And there was no fucking way out, you know. And I was going to roll up in a little corner in that son of a bitch and die, you know. And the saddest thing about it was that I had never lived, you know. And I heard early on, you know, that uh, if I would have died in my addiction, man, you know, the the wrong person would have died because I became something else. It wasn't really me. I was bits and pieces of a whole lot of people that I kind of looked up to and kind of envied in a lot of ways, you know. But I didn't know who I really was until I got here and did some of the things that you have to do here to find that stuff out, you know, and the inventories and, and all of the stuff that they talk about doing, which I won't bore you with because you hear it so much, you know, what do you got to do around here to stay? Well, you got to get into action, you know, and you got to do something because you just won't stay here and not do anything. So uh, one of the things that I heard really early, there's things that stuck with me, man, that I, I, I was in a recovery house, and I can remember they used to have the meetings come in on Sundays and uh, Wednesdays, I think. And this one guy uh, was talking, and he said, hey, willingness without action is fantasy, man. And it just hit me right between the eyes, you know, because I had a lot of people say, are you really willing? And I didn't even know what to tell them because I was so screwed up in my own mind. Uh, you know, you could have said, do you really want to be clean? I really didn't know. I didn't have a clue, man. I couldn't be honest and say, well, yeah, I want to be clean. What is being clean? 
uh, in the very short periods of time that I had made an attempt at that was very fucking painful. Very painful, man. And it really hurt a lot, you know. And uh, the reason that it hurt a lot was the intensity of my own feelings, what was going on inside of me, you know. And, uh, you know, so drugs, even at the end, when they weren't working anymore, drugs in the end were not fucking working, man. But I couldn't live without them. I had to have them because, number one, on top of feeling really bad about everything in the world, I couldn't accept the world as it really was, you know. If I didn't have drugs, on top of that, I'm going to be dope sick, you know. And that's going to make it double bad, you know. So... I used drugs even when they weren't working at the very end, you know, and the only time that I really had relief is when I was like that close to dying. Unconscious, and I had, I was relieved, you know, and when I came to, I wanted more, you know. And that's how I used at the end, you know. And I remember a young lady at a meeting said one time, you know, her drug of choice was a general anesthetic. And that's, that's, that's the way it was for me. That's what I wanted, you know, and, uh, and and then I ended up in a recovery house. And I didn't think I was going to make it here because, uh, you know, like I say, uh, you know, you, I don't know what it was, contempt prior to investigation maybe. I thought that, well, these people have stopped using drugs. Uh, if they're anything like me, which I really fucking doubt, you know, <laughs> we're all different, right? We're a cut different when we get here. And uh, I thought, if they're really like me, and, and if they're really not taking drugs, they really want to. They really want to, you know. Somebody would get up and say, hey, my name's Joe, and I've been clean for ten years. And I think, you, if that's the truth, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, you know. And uh, But, you know, as I found out early on, my first uh, spiritual experience was at about six months clean. I had to go to jail. I was clean, and uh, at that point, I thought that God had made his first mistake, really. And uh, But I went, and uh, I found out something there, man. I found out that I had been set free. I didn't know it, but I had been set free. The miracle had occurred in my life, you know. Uh, I was in my cell. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, my friend, he was running into tears, and he came up to me and he said, Billy, I got one for you, you know. And uh, his old lady was taking care of business. This guy's also dead now. He's been dead for years. But uh, And I had used with him on the streets. And he had a bag for me, man. And he had the outfit in his pocket. And none of you people were there. Nobody was watching me. And I was locked in the slammer, you know, in the cell. And uh, using, when, when drugs are working, man, it's so great, man. And when you're in the slammer, it's even amplified. It's twice as good, man, because you're out of jail, man. If, if, you, if you take that ride and that shit works, man, you're not locked up anymore. You're out there in the world, you're doing this, and you're dreaming, you know. And uh, it would have been really good, man. And when he offered me that, I looked at him, and he was really... Where I wanted to be most of my life, I mean, this guy was plowed, man. He was fucking plowed. Cross-eyed as a pelican, sweating, scratching his ass, scratching his nose, man, you know. And uh, I told him, uh, hey, you know what, not today, but check again tomorrow. That's exactly what I told him. And he looked at me kind of weird, you know, and then he, he was walking down the tier. And... Uh, 
I sat there for a minute and I thought, what have you done? <laughs> what in the fuck have you done? You know? And then I laid down on the, on the bunk and, uh, I experienced something inside of myself, man, that I had never experienced before. And that was total and complete freedom. There was no war. The war was fucking over, man. I did not want to use. I did not want to call him back, man. And that was the first time in my life I had experienced that, you know. You know, if I could be unconscious, and if somebody offered me something, man, my arm's going to roll out like that. I'm going for it. I ain't turning nothing down, man, you know. And I do... Especially in jail, man. I, I mean, I, like I say, I was locked up a lot, and I chased the dragon in there too, you know. And do whatever you got to do. You got to end up in the hole. They transfer you here. You go to blah 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 blah. San Quentin to Folsom to here to there, and all of that bullshit, you know. So, am I out of time? No, I'm waving somebody. What time do I quit? Uh, you got another fifteen, another twenty minutes. Oh man, I got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> up, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I can remember the last time that I got loaded. They say, hey, you know, don't ever forget that. And, uh, and I haven't, you know, and I like to, and I tell that story sometimes, you know, like I lived on Catalina Island. It was really kind of a, a nice place for an addict, except, you know, there's a lot of water between you and all those narcotics, you know. But, uh, but that's where I ended up, and I was able to use over there for a, a really a long period of time for me on the streets. The longest period of time that I've been on the streets in my life, you know. And I lasted six years over there. You know, I got out of Folsom, and I went right over there. My brother took me, long story, and I ended up on Catalina Island. I actually ended up with a little job at a hotel, and the guy really liked me and was trying to help me out, and blah, 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 on and on and on. Got off parole, the whole deal. Uh, made the, they had two pharmacies in town, and I knew both the pharmacists, and I had a doctor going for me, and you know, it, the whole deal. Occasionally friends would come over and bring the bag and stay the weekend, and, and it was just a succession of partying, especially through the summer or the winter, it was bad. It's not like that now, but I, uh, I had a pretty good time over there, and I put a little play together where I had, I don't know, a few spoons coming, and, uh, the guy went over to San Pedro and he was supposed to come back. He missed the flight, so, you know, I'm, you know, the last flight in and he's not on it, and I thought, well, you know, what can I do, man? I've got, you know, an addict, tomorrow never comes for an addict. I don't, you know, it's just, there was no way for me to get those drugs, and I thought, what can I do? And I thought, I'll drink. If I can hold it down, I will drink, you know. And I went to the bar, and I started drinking, and after, I don't know, I don't know how long it was, an hour, two hours, the bartender, who was a personal friend of mine, said, hey, Billy, why don't you go home, you know. And uh, I said, hey, give me one for the road, and he gave me a styrofoam cup full of Jack Daniels, and I walked out of the bar, the Chi-Chi Club, you know. And uh, I had a quarter of a block to go to get to my house, you know. And my little dog was waiting for me. I had a little dog. He loved me, man. Even when I fell through the fucking door, man, he'd lick me up in my face. And, you know, he's a really a cool little dog. And uh, so I left the Chi-Chi Club en route for the Westbrook Hotel on Sumner Avenue. And uh, between the Chi-Chi Club and the, uh, the Westbrook Hotel, there's a courthouse. And right behind the courthouse, there's a clinic. And when I got abreast of the 
and I looked over there. I, the only thing I seen was the there was a red neon sign and it said clinic, you know. And I thought, man, you know what? I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Everything I need is in there, you know. And I know a lot about pharmaceuticals because I've robbed a lot of drugstores. I love pharmaceutical narcotics. They're pure, they're clean, dilated, blah, 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 panopon, all that good stuff, man. And, uh, so I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over there and get some, you know. And that's what I did. You know, I went over there and I fell through the, the window and, uh, you know, I'm complete. I'm I'm just strip faced drunk, man. You know, and I've got perka down in me too. So, and I fell through the window, nearly decapitated myself. You know, I I I got big scars and shit. I I really cut myself up really bad. And uh, I got into the clinic, and I was pilfering the uh, the cabinets with a little those little flashlights that they look in your ear with. You know, that's what I found. I got that. And I'm down on the floor and all of a sudden there's a sheriff behind me, you know, and uh, and it's over. You know, I mean, my life's over. I'm going to, I've never had a felony in my life where I didn't go to the penitentiary. I mean, once they give you as the law prescribes, every time it happens again, that's where you're going, man. You're not going anywhere else. You're not going to give you probation after they've sent you to the fucking penitentiary, you know. So you're going back. And uh, they cuffed me and they put me in the squad car. They had to take me to the hospital because they, I had to get sewn up. And I'm in the back of that squad car and I'm thinking, man, you know, you had a, you had a good shot at it, Bill. And one more time, you lost. You know, you're a fucking loser, you know. And... uh and I thought, well, you know, and then I envisioned the yard. I could see the old Folsom yard and the handball courts and the marble games. They shoot a lot of marbles up there. <laughs> it's funny to see a bunch of real old men sitting around shooting marbles, you know. But uh, I don't know if they still do that or not. That's been 35 years ago. So I, uh, you know, I was in the back of a squad car, and that's what I thought about. And I thought, you know what, man, your life's over. You're done. You know, I was 37 years old. You're, you're through. You're going back, and you're probably never going to get out. And they took me to the hospital, and uh, they sewed me up. And then I had a really, a, a really brilliant idea. You know, at, that uh, I would make them kill me. You know, that I that I had had enough. That I didn't fucking want any more of this life. I don't want it, man. You know, it's not like I couldn't make it in the penitentiary. I do real good in institutions. I'm a real good barber, and I always got plenty of cigarettes, and I know who's got the drugs, and I got, always got an outfit, you know. But that way of life is so deprived, man. It's just, I don't even want to get into it. But So I figured that if this son of a bitch would kill me, man, I would be much better off. You know, I didn't want any more of nothing, you know. Sick and tired of being sick and tired tenfold. You know, I'm through, man. I want it to end. I want it to be over with, you know. And then they they had me handcuffed behind my back, and uh, I got away from the cop in the hallway, and they got out the back door into the parking lot, running as fast as you can go with your hands behind your back, you know. And uh, then he came out, and he had his gun out, and I stopped and right under the light standard in the parking lot, man, and I started, you know, ragging on him and his mother and uh, the whole deal, you know. And uh, I wanted him to shoot, man. I wanted him to shoot. He didn't. He just came over and kicked me in the ass and threw me in the squad car, you know. <laughs> and uh, shortly after that, my brother, my 
my little brother who has two years fucking clean, man. Two years clean. He heard what had happened and he came to rescue me, you know, with a thirty out six, you know. And uh shot up the police station and uh you know uh so anyway, the reason that I say that is that's why the incident made the papers, you know. And uh and uh what they but that's an important part of the story. I'm not like trying to lay a big story on the reason that I say that is that a friend of mine, you know, who had been clean for five years, a guy that I shot dope with, went to the penitentiary with, went to youth authority with, the whole deal, man. You know, after I was in the county jail about a month, I get a visit. Well, I don't get visits when I'm in jail. Nobody's going to fucking come up and see me, you know. And I get a visit, and I go out there, and it's Benny Weidenbanner. The reason that I say his whole and complete name is I'm sure that he wouldn't mind because he's no longer on this earth. He's gone, you know. So Benny uh, came up and he pulled me out and, you know, on the phone through the glass. And he says, hey, man, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing all right. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you don't look too good, Bill. And he was nice suit, you know, a little Jewish dude, nice Suit, big pinky ring, the whole deal, you know, the Rolex, all that shit. And, uh, you know, and I thought, man, this guy's got it going on. And he told me, he says, you know what, Billy? He says, I don't know if you can make bail or not. He says, but if you do, he says, I'm the director of this uh, recovery house. And he said, uh, we've got a bed for you. He says, don't worry about any money or anything like that. He says, I've got a bed for you, you know. So miraculously, miracles were starting to happen, but believe me, I wasn't aware of them. Somebody actually bailed me out, you know, and uh, that really kind of blew me away. And as soon as I got out, I'd been locked up for about a month, so I was kind of over being sick. And uh, the first thing that I did when I got out, man, was uh, I called my doctor and had uh, the pharmacy call the doctor, and I got six ounces of Tussinex cough, so that's the best thing I could do on the phone. <coughs> And uh, I drank it all right in front of the pharmacist. Susie handed me the bottle. I just popped the top and downed it, you know. And uh, I, I got to tell you, man, that was the last time I got loaded. You know what, man? I got good and fucking loaded, man. It was a good one, you know. And uh, and the people that bailed me out, I had told them I'm going to a recovery house. I think maybe that's the one reason that maybe they bailed me out, you know. And... Uh, the next day, I was still loaded the next day when I went to that recovery house, man. And, uh, you know, and they, he told me, well, everybody that works here is an addict and, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And I got there and I thought, man, these people aren't addicts. You know, they don't look like college kids, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I stayed there. But what really made me feel good is that I, in my own mind, I thought, well, there's a, if there's a group of addicts there, there has to be narcotics. There's got, there's got to be drugs there. And uh, there's a good possibility that I might get cut into somebody or there might be something happening. I'm thinking institutional thoughts, you know, and uh, are, are things that I learned in my addiction. You know, wherever there's addicts, there's narcotics, you know. So I went there thinking that probably maybe that was happening. and then. But what really made me feel good is that two blocks away from that recovery house was a drugstore, you know. And in my own mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to this place. I'm loaded. 
As soon as this drug is totally and completely out of my system, I will leave. If there's nothing there, I'm leaving, you know. And I don't have far to go because all I got to do is make a phone call and there's the pharmacy, you know. And uh, I've never, I've never had to make that call, man. I never had to make it, man. And I believe me, man. I was just so. Uh, it was really a fucking weird deal. I, uh, I went there and they had these meetings and the step studies and all that stuff. And I was actually kind of uh, horrified, you know, because I'm basically I'm scared of people. See, I, ne I never even knew all that shit, you know. And I didn't want them. My big hope at the step study was that, that the book wouldn't get to me, so I would have to read because, you know, I, I didn't know how good I could read, and I was so overly aware of myself, so self-conscious, man, and, you know, all of those feelings that, you know, that are with, that were with me, I can only speak for myself, you know, that were with me when I was a child, man, because of a lot of different things which I haven't got time to go into, but, you know, when the first time that I came in touch with my drug of choice, which was heroin, you know, when the first time I got high, the only thing that kept going over and over and over in my mind was, I want to feel this way for the rest of my life, you know. I don't ever want to feel anything but this, you know. And I knew then that I was probably in trouble, you know. And I was for the next 25 years. But, you know, I've been here longer than I used. So I do have some fair comparisons. And I'll tell you what, man, give me more of the second half. You know, I don't want to ever go back to where I came from. I don't ever want to do the things that I ha used to do. And I don't have to, you know. And the only reason that I'm really positively sure about that is because of all the friends that I've had here that have passed on clean. You know, uh, there's nothing attractive about drug addiction to me or that culture. In fact, the culture is so different now. Sometimes I wonder if I was a kid, would I join these weird motherfuckers? <laughs> because when I when I joined up, man, it was kind of, it was a real clandestine, secretive fucking society, man. You know, you didn't run around letting people know you got high, man. That was a big secret, you know, and it was a real minority group. Now I think it's probably the majority. And that there was actually many, many of the years that I used narcotics, I, I, I truly believe this. I thought the world would be a better place if everybody used drugs. I believed it, you know. That was in my heart. You know, if everybody used drugs, man, this place wouldn't be too bad. Peace on earth. <laughs> but uh, it's not that way. And my time's up here because it is, uh, it's not? Five minutes? Okay. So... I'm not anxious to get out, but in a way I am anxious to get out of here. You know why? Because uh, uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, I just got my own little apartment. I've had a, the last couple of years, man, the end of a long marriage, uh, uh, no longer a homeowner, i kind of living out of rooms and, you know, and now I have my own little apartment and uh, a friend of mine, uh, a guy that I sponsor, he got out of detox today and he's little wobbly and he's going to stay at my place for a month and he was supposed to come to the meeting but he ran a little late and so uh, 
I left a key under the mat, and he's in my house now, you know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, what am I coming home to? No, I know things will be right, man. I, I, I know that. And I know that, you know, that if, if he, uh, if he's the kind of guy, man, he, he has resources, you know, he's not a down and outer, man. He's got a business, and he's very successful, but, and if he did, choose to use, he probably would just disappear and, and and nothing would disappear from my house. It's nothing like that. But it's just, you know, that I know that he's got a lot of problems now, you know, and uh, you think that you have problems like when you're clean, you know, I mean, uh, just use and it just magnifies them, you know, tenfold, you know. So he's got some real serious problems now, possibly, you know, business and, re you know, marriage and property, on and on and on. I mean, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just really grateful uh, for the program. And it's really, I, you know, I left this area. I lived over in, uh, around here all my life. I used a lot in Santa Monica when I was on an escape from the penitentiary one time. I used over here for two years. Down I know about Ghost Town. I know about them bags down there, you know, and the gambling shacks and all that shit. Yeah, I used to be down there, too. But everywhere I went, I used, so, you know, uh, but I'm just so excited to be clean and to have a life today, man. And my life is, you know, like I say, a lot bigger than a gas station bathroom, you know. And I've been able to do so many things here, you know, and to have friends and relationships in this program. You know, hey, one of my favorite people sitting right over there, Igor. Because you know, he he's, I think, one of the only guys that loves drugs as much as I do. <laughs> and he has been clean for a long time, man, and he's a great guy, man. And it's good to see old friends, and it's just good to be here. And I want to thank Jim for asking me. And sorry that it took took me uh, so long to get down two years, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like I say, a lot of stuff uh, was developing over the past couple of years and uh, so but I got down here now and I'm glad that I did and I would really like to get a tape of that Floyd pitch if you got that you know? cool. cool okay so I want to thank all of you people for showing up if there's any new people here hey there's hope for you you know and I don't always say hey you know if I if I can make it anybody can that's bullshit you know really because this thing is a gift, and it's a gift from something greater than yourself, you know. And you have to respond to that, you know. And, uh, you know, if we, you know, if we could fix ourselves, we'd just stay home and do that. I'm not talking about that fix. I'm talking about fixing yourself, making yourself better. We can't do it, you know. And we can't get over this disease alone, man. We need each other. As different as we are from time to time, we need each other, man. And uh, I'm just real... Uh, Glad that this is over with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm anxious to get home and I'm anxious to see my pal, you know, and have a talk with him this evening. And, uh, you know, I get real grateful, man. I know that, uh, I know what drugs do, man, and I have run into, and I know a lot of people that left here and never got back, man. The door swings both ways. Bullshit. Bullshit, you know. And you stay here long enough. You're going to find that out. There's some you don't hear from the people that didn't come back, and nobody's ever going to hear from them again. You know, so you know my life's on the line, and I realize that. And this program's about living, and I want to live, man. Hey, I got new liver, new teeth. I'm getting get a new pair of glasses too. You know, so <laughs> hey, uh, I'll be around for a while. I hope. You know, the whole thing is I want to live, man. And the last day that I used, I wanted to die. 
I didn't want to be here anymore. I was through, man. And as it turns out, that was the beginning of my life, you know. And uh, I want to thank all of you people for that because there are people in this room that were here when I got here. Kathy, right behind me. She was here, you know. And uh, we're old friends and, uh, you know, I used with her first known man, you know. We used to use together, old bank robber. But, uh, yeah, and the guy that I was down here with, pretty, I used to call him Pretty Boy Floyd because he'd just gotten out from doing 15 years on a bank robbery. So it works for a lot of people, a lot of different people. And I'll say this, and I will shut up. The other night we were on a panel, and there was four of us. Larry here, he was with me. He's a truck driver. I'm, an, I'm a retired iron worker. The other two people, one of them was my dentist. And the other one was a lawyer. You talk about a cross-section of society. There it is, man, you know. So it doesn't make any difference where you're from, who you are, how much you got, how much you don't have. But who gives a shit, you know? Probably if you come in the rooms naked and dirty, you got a better chance, you know. <laughs> People run over and, hey, do you need a shirt? <laughs> or whatever. But uh, thank you again for being here, and uh, keep coming back. Thank All right. you.